Focus on that. Focus on your majesty, that we're humbled, that we're covered, and that we know that we're sinful, but we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And as Dave comes to talk to us about that it just so happens that you did all those things, that you came, you suffered, you died for a sinner like me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you see it? There's so much great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of men in a servant. The universe is great in this long. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth. Just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. That's my hope today. That's my prayer. That we all see the great in the small. The great in the small of your life. The great in the it just so happened. Because we, we see those things every day that just so happens. Now, you know, be, before I get into the message, uh, when, when Adam told us, the staff, what he told us this morning, when, when he started into his thing, I was thinking like you are, He's turning in his two-week notice. You know, he's turning in his one-month notice or whatever. And I, I wanted to throw up, actually, to, to be honest with you. That, that was a hard thing. And, you know, we've been through some change here. We're always in the midst of change. But, but, but as a church, with, with our staff, with our leadership, we're, we're in the process of some change. And we always, you know, we always spin it in a positive way because it is a positive thing. You know, what could be greater than someone being reconciled to their family and going through that process and, and, and having that re-strengthened? What a great thing. What a great thing. You know, we, we sent Ty to Lusk, um, and, and, and the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed in a, in a fresh voice in, in the county of Niobrara County. And, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't. Um... Adam talked a couple weeks ago about saying no to the good things so that we can say yes to the best things. That's hard to do in our lives. And, and I, just, I, I just wanted to be, I, I want us to be honest. And, and we, we need to admit, it, 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 it stinks. 
You know, Ty wanted us... Can I say that? I, I just did, I guess. You know, Ty over and over and over said, I, I, he said, I don't want you to be sad. I don't want to hear that we're sad that you're leaving. Well, you know what? To be honest, we are. We were. It is a great thing. It is a good thing, but it doesn't make it easy. It's hard. Um, it's, it's hard to say goodbye. And, and, and honestly, through the 20, however many years that I've been at North Hills, North Hills has always seemed like it's been a crossroads for people. You know, people come and go almost on a monthly basis. And, and I hate it that, that it's been our staff here lately, um, but, but that's where we're at. And, and I believe, um, I, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in coincidences. Um, you know, you look at the title of the sermon and you think, well, it just so happened. Well, we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit here this morning. And, and I hope that you kind of get where I'm coming from by the end of the message. But just... Again, I just want to encourage you to continue to pray. Um, the University of Wyoming has been looking for a president for, for a long, long, long time. And they continue to look because they, they know that the right guy is out there somewhere. Um, you know, we don't know what, what this new sort of transition, ultimately how that's going to impact our structure. You know, we've been looking for someone who is an associate pastor slash worship you know what, that's a pretty unique role. And it's a pretty, what we're finding is there's a lot of worship guys and there's a lot of associate pastor guys. There aren't a lot of worship slash associate pastor guys. And, and maybe, maybe the structure looks different. Maybe it's a high school worship guy and, and a, a part-time middle school guy and, and an associate, pure and simple. We don't know. But, but it's a part of the adventure of life, right? We don't have to fear what we don't know. Um, we just pray and we trust and we keep taking that step forward. And so I just, I want to, I want to encourage you that it's okay to be sad. <laughs> you know, it's okay to be, um, be bummed, you know, but, but trust the Lord that, that he's going to um, re-encourage your heart in the process of life. And, and we're just going to keep continuing on forward. So, um, having said that, uh, there is a, a, a letter that a, a guy wrote to his insurance company. And maybe you've, you've heard this or seen this, or maybe you haven't. But here's how it goes. Dear sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information in block number three of the accident reporting form. I put trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You stated in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which just so happens to be attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 11 of the accident reporting form that my weight is 135 pounds. Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and didn't think to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. 
In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel that was now proceeding in a downward direction at an equally impressive rate of speed. This explains the fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone as listed in Section 3 of the Accident Reporting Form. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley that I mentioned in paragraph number two of this correspondence. It just so happens that by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now, devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in block number 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. The accounts, this accounts for the two fractured ankles, broken teeth, and the severe lacerations of my legs and lower body. Here, my luck began to change slightly. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into the pile of broken bricks. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. Unfortunately. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks in pain, unable to move and looking up at the empty barrel six stories above me, I once again lost my presence of mind and I let go of the rope. Now, have you ever had one of those days? Yeah, I think we all have. I mean, where, uh, or one of those weeks, or one of those years, where it seemed like if you didn't have any, if you didn't have bad luck, you didn't have any luck at all. I mean, we, we've all uttered that uh, occasionally uh, out of our, our own mouths, haven't we? And, and maybe it's, you think of that as bad luck and it's in regards to bad things. Or maybe you've had weeks where you've had all kinds of positive things. It, was just, it just seemed like one thing after the next, after the next happened. And, and, and everything just fell into line like a bunch of dominoes. And when the one went over, it was the next and the next and the next. And it was great. The, the unfortunate thing is, in our culture today, people look at that and they say, well, what's the chance of that happening? Right? Well, I, how lucky was that 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 happened to you? And I'm here to say this morning that in God's economy, there is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as coincidence. God is working. We, we read last week that, 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 he is, that He cares about every detail of your life and mine. And, and, and he's working. And, and what we can often do is we can get so involved in the everyday things of life that we forget to take the time to reflect on, on what's happening in our life and recognize that God is working there. God was working there. God did that. God did that. God put you in, into that situation so that you could say those words to that person and it would impact them in an incredible way. Small things that God uses to bring about mighty things. Now, I, uh, we've been praying for my niece who's battling stage 4 lung cancer right now. And, and, and she has had some coincidence happen to her in the last couple months. And, and her, her, uh, her mom wrote uh, a note this week as kind of a report, and I want to read that to you. Uh, first, you know, the notes this morning, they're just kind of statements. And the first statement in your notes this morning is, we experience a lot of just-so-happens in our life. We experience a lot of just-so-happens in our life. Every day. Every day we do. Well, this is what Brenda, her mom, wrote this week. We praise God that Larissa was able to get an appointment so soon with Dr. Kamage at Denver University last Tuesday. Dr. Kamage 
was recommended by the doctor at Mayo Clinic a few weeks ago, who she just so happened to get an appointment with on a suggestion by a friend and just happens to be the lead doctor possibly in the world on treating the ALK mutation cell cancer Larissa has. In fact, this doctor in Denver helped develop the medication that Larissa is on. Larissa wrote that there are a lot of just happens that have occurred in the journey she has been on. She just happened to be in the office of this leading ALK research doctor a few days after receiving the foundation report that she had the ALK mutation. She was already going to see this guy before she found out that she had this mutation and then found out that he's the world expert on it. It just so happens, right? I mean, um, she likened it to Ruth, who we're going to be looking at here in in a couple moments. Evidence of God's constant orchestration and constant love. Now, Larissa's medication arrived on Friday, so she is on day three of her medication. She's doing well in handling it, uh, handling the medication, and will have a PET scan in six weeks to see the progress. She's been told that, that she will not have the regular side effects that, that someone would have from chemo. She won't lose her hair. She, she shouldn't get sick. Um, it's, it's, it's targeting this particular mutation that this cell is, is using to, to multiply. Um, a couple prayer requests. Please pray that she will continue to feel, of course, minimal side effects. We pray that for everyone that's, it's, that's in undergoing treatment. And that the PET scan in six weeks will show that all the cancer is gone. We're praying for a miracle. That God would take it away. We praise God, she says, that Larissa has gotten back to many normal activities, like taking Asher, their son, to music class and attending the Women's Thursday Bible Study. Please pray for continued strength to continue getting back to normal activities. And then, number five, we have a great and mighty God who, faithfully, who, who is faithful, and we trust that this path will continue in a positive way for her healing and God's glory. It just so happened. It just so happened. Um, when, we, when I read that, I thought, you know what? I, I just We're kind of in a place where we're between series. We're going to start a family series next week. It's going to be great. Um, Adam's going to be, be teaching on reconciliation, and, and we're going to be doing some other things. It's going to be awesome. I hope you come. Invite some friends to come. Um, but, but we need to remember that God is working every day. God works every day. He, he's taking little things, uh, things that we may think are insignificant, Yet, things that that we often lose sight of, God working, because we're so involved in other things. Um, The the second statement is, we often lose sight of God working in the little things in our lives. And the reason we do is because we live this fast-paced life that doesn't give us time to reflect and think about the things that we just were experiencing. I mean, have you had a conversation with someone in the last week where they didn't say, when you asked them how they're doing, I'm so busy? Honestly, what is your response in that situation? And, 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 and we put ourselves there. You know, we make decisions on a daily basis. It's this thing, then it's this thing, then it's this thing. And, and, you know, if you have an elementary student, a middle school student, and a high school student, and any of them are involved in any sort of extracurricular activity, you know that it's this thing, then this thing, this, this thing, then this, then this, then this. When do you have time to reflect on that thing four times ago when you're, when you're just trying to get to the sixth thing. I mean, you know, we do need to prioritize. This message isn't on priority. This message is on the fact that God is working in your life and in mine in the little things every day. 
and that we need to make sure that we're taking the time on a daily basis to reflect on those things and give Him the honor and the glory and the worship that He deserves as He works in your life and in mine. We can get so wrapped up in the little things every day that, that, we, uh, that we don't worship Him for the little things that He's doing in our life. Uh, you know, getting so busy. It, it, I say it this way. We don't see the changing. You know, when we're, when we're... Husbands, you do this all the time. You're going on a, a vacation and you have a destination, right? And you want to get to that destination. And so you just, you pile everybody in the car, you leave at four in the morning so the kids can sleep the first four hours. And, and, and right, you drive straight through. Oh, minimal stops. Uh, yeah, okay, you got it. we got a 10 o'clock stop so we can go to the bathroom. You know, we're going to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, you know, in that town so that we can get there by 5 or 4 or whatever that time is. You know, we have our hearts set on the destination and we forget about the journey to get there. You know, there's, there's times when I go to Torrington, I like to take the back road. Why? It's not faster. So that I can see what the crops are doing. So I can see who planted what. So I can, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's for the view, right? It's, it's for the journey. And, and when we are so focused on the destination, which oftentimes is that next event or activity in our life, we forget about the journey today with our Savior and, and seeing the mighty things that He's doing. You know, we settle for the drive-thru at McDonald's instead of the local cafe that has the, that you wouldn't think it by looking at the outside of the building, but they have the best, you know, roast beef sandwich or, or whatever. That takes time. You know, we, we also don't see the almost wrecks, and, and some of this is not our, not our fault at all, but, but in, in reflection, if we were looking back, we might see some of them. You know, I, somebody told me a story this morning that, that uh, they were on their way somewhere yesterday and, and, and this car came up behind them and wanted to pass them and wanted to pass them. And they're sort of the type of person, at least this person's wife told me that he's this kind of person. Okay? Who always likes to be ahead in front. But, but he finally slowed down and let this person go around him. Well, it wasn't 10 minutes down the road. Some deer jump up out of the ditch. He's, you know, behind this car, and, and they miss the first one, they smack the second one, and then he has time to slow down before the third one runs across the highway. So, it just so happened, right, that this person was in front, and, and they were spared, you know, all of the paperwork of, of you know, it's like they mean to be hit, right, um, those deer. What about, what about those times when, when you're on a highway or something and you look back and there was a big accident or something and, and it just so happened that that happened, you know, half hour after you went through there or, or you happened to stop at a rest area and it happened, you know, in front of you. I mean, honestly, um, we, we, those things happen to us every day. Those things happen to us every day. And, and, and what, what I want to encourage us to do today is, is to give the worship and the praise and the glory to the person who is, 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 is working in our life and doing those mighty things every day. And it doesn't have to be big things like that either. It can be, it can be very little things. You know, and, and when we lose sight of the fact that God is doing things in our lives every day, we begin to resign ourselves to the untruth that the things that happen in our life are more happenstance than plan and provision. Right? I mean, it, 
if you say, well, well, it was a coincidence, and you truly mean that it was a coincidence, you have given up to happenstance what I would say is the work of God in your life and, and in your everyday activities. I mean, He deserves our worship and our reflection on them. He is the one who brings them about, not coincidence. Just, just think of your own life in the last 24 hours. Just reflect on your life over the last week or the last month. Take time today. Over lunch, maybe talk about it with a spouse or with a child or, or, or just reflect on it. What are some of those things that have happened to you in the last week that, could, that maybe you sort of just thought it was a coincidence that they happened, but, but it was actually God working? Give Him the credit. Give Him the glory for that. Um, maybe, you know, maybe up until now you thought that that hardship that you're going through right now um, is is just a hardship that you just have to endure, and and it's an unfortunate thing that that you know just happened to happen. You know, I I, I've, I haven't told this story in a long time. I was when I was in college, um, I had gone to the Lagrange Mini Fair. And uh, I went there on my motorcycle, and I stayed for the dance. And uh, um, at at the end of that, I was on my way home. It was about one in the morning, and and part of that trip between Lagrange and Albin is. And back then, the road was much nicer than it is right now. It's kind of worn out now, but um, it was fairly smooth. And I was, you know, I was an indestructible college student. I was trying to see how fast I could go get from LaGrange to home. But but just before I got to the little white Catholic church on the corner there, just east of Albin, I got a flat tire on my motorcycle. It's it's one in the morning. Um, cell phones don't exist. Okay? I can't call my dad. So I am I'm not literally cussing, but, but I'm not happy about this situation. I mean, I am... I, I am whining to God about this. Why did I get a flat tire? I mean, I'm seven miles from home. Couldn't you have just let me get home? So I thought about going and knocking on the neighbor's door. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get him out of bed. So here's me carrying my helmet, leather jacket, walking down the side of the highway. And car, you know, there were people coming and going. It was actually Pine Bluff Trail Days that same night. And so there were people kind of going back and forth. You know, not like a car every minute, but a car every 15 minutes. It was a really busy night. <laughs> no one would stop for me. And, and finally, um, finally, I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost, you know, like a mile and a half. I don't remember how far down the road I was. A sheriff pulled over and picked me up. And, I, and, and we started a conversation. I said, so, you know, what have you been up to tonight? You know, have you been down there? He said, well, actually, I've been out on a call. Um, uh, Gordon Mom had uh, about a dozen black cows out on the highway on the S-curve. And the S-curve is this big, you know, it's an S-curve. It looks like an S, right? I, uh, between Alvin and Pine Bluffs. And, and, and here's what got me about this thing that I was so upset, this hardship that I was going through, was, was that if, if God didn't let the air out of my tire, driving as fast as I was driving, I would have come around the S-curve and I wouldn't have seen the black cows and I probably wouldn't be standing here today. Now, you can call that a coincidence if you want. I call it an act of God. And, and even the hardships, some of the hardships that happen in our lives are an act of God. They turn out to be a blessing because, because he's, he's orchestrating something in our life. 
And, and we need to give him the credit. I give him the credit for that flat tire. As frustrated as I was when I got it, I look back on that and I go, God, it's your mighty act. It's, it's your mighty act. Uh, and, and good things that happen in our lives. We, we need to recognize that as well. Turn with me to the book of Ruth. Um, it's on page 258 in the, in the Bibles underneath the seats. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab it out. Uh, chapter 1, um, Ruth chapter 1, page 258. Now here's the thing. Ruth, Ruth and her family had moved to Moab. Uh, they were from Bethlehem. There was a famine in the land. They moved to Moab. Ruth, her husband Elimelech, and their two sons. And uh, while they were in Moab... Uh, Ruth's husband dies. Her two sons marry Moabitess women. And then within 10 years from when they moved, both of her sons die. And here's Naomi with her two daughters-in-law, which if you know anything about the culture in that time, that is not a good place to be. There's no one to care for you. There's no one to pass on the family name to. You're kind of stuck. Well, uh, Naomi decides that, that she's going to move back to Bethlehem. There's nothing for her in this foreign land, and her daughters-in-law are going to move with her, and she tries to convince them otherwise. One of the daughters-in-law says, okay, I'll stay. Ruth says, no way. Your God is my God. Um, you are my mother. I'm going with you. Okay, and that leads up to verse 19 through 22 in Ruth chapter 1. Look at this with me. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? And Naomi says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So, verse 22, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest began. Now, I don't understand why the writer of Ruth didn't put verse 22 before verse 19. But for whatever reason, we get, we get the information in 19 through 21, and then we get, we get the information of verse 22. Then in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, it continues, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And the writer does this again. Gives us this information, piques our interest. Okay, we know who this Boaz is. And then it's like goes before that moment and, and tells us the, the narrative of the story. So when we go on, in, um, when we go on it says uh, in verse 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me, hasn't met Boaz yet at this point. We only know who he is. She says to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Okay, this would be a very natural, normal, everyday thing for somebody to do who's poor, who has no way to provide for themselves because there's no man in the house, to go and glean behind somebody. It was logical. It was reasonable. It was a just-so-happened, okay? That's, that's what she did. Now, here's the crazy thing to me, and, and it's, 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 this is biblical. Naomi says, go ahead, my daughter, go do this. So, verse 3, she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, okay? As it turned... Those four words, literally in the Greek, mean, it just so happened. 
Now, I don't know if that's actually true or not. I, I tried to look up the Greek word for those words, and, and it, it just is, it's, it's a thought, not a specific word. But that's exactly what it's saying. As it turned out, it just so happened that, that Ruth found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, this is important later because I'm going to actually finish the story. Like Adam does often in not finishing stories, at first service, I forgot to finish the story. I skipped a whole page and a half of notes. So let's make sure this one gets online, not the first service, okay? Um, so, so here you have Ruth gleaning barley in this field that just so happened to be owned by Boaz. Now, verse 4 continues. Just then... Right? This happens in our life. It just so happened that Boaz arrived from Bethlehem at this moment in time that she's out in the field gleaning barley and he's greeting the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he says. The Lord bless you, they call back. And then Boaz notices who's out in his field and this woman catches his eye. And Boaz asks the foreman of his, of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? And the foreman essentially replies, no one's. Um, he says, Boaz, it just so happens, those are my words, not his, she is the Moabitess who came from Moab with Naomi. What a coincidence that Ruth happens to be gleaning barley in the field, who we find out later as we're going to read through this, is the one man, actually one of two, who could be her kinsman redeemer, who would take in this family, these women, and redeem them. Give them hope for a future, which is just what Jesus Christ does for us. Now, a couple observations that I want you to jot down. First of all, we can trust God to go before us. We can trust God to go before us in our brokenness. We can trust God to go before us for salvation. For how many of you who are here today, uh, who are Christ followers, you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, because you just so happened to talk, somebody just so happened to say something to you at the right time. I see that hand. Um, you know, it happens, doesn't it? Somebody, you're, you're in a, a tough time in your life and, and you end up working for somebody or you meet somebody at work or you're, you're teaching with somebody or you, you, you meet somebody at, at preschool or whatever, however that relationship starts, and, and you enter into this friendship, this relationship, and, and then they share something about their Savior with you. And, and you're at the moment in time when God knows you're going to be there and He put that person there to communicate to you that Jesus Christ is your only hope of salvation. And that if you put your faith and trust in Him, that He'll just blow up your life. He'll change it forever. What an amazing thing. We can trust God to go before us in our brokenness, for salvation, in our health, no matter what it is. We can trust God to go before us in our relationships, in our rest, in our vacations. I mean, I couldn't even begin to tell you that just so happens that, that have happened in my life over the, over the last however long I've been alive. 47 years. It is 47, right? Okay. And some of them, you might think, these are trivial things. Just... 
But God can take the things that we might think or that he's putting in our life that seem trivial and he can make them into mighty things, like a mustard seed becoming this mighty uh, plant of support that, that Jesus used the parable to describe in Matthew, which we're going to look at in a moment. I don't remember who was on this trip. It, I don't think anybody that's here at the church still was on this trip. But, but in 1991, um, when I was helping with the youth group at my home church in Albin, I was farming and custom feeding pigs and doing all of that. Um, Derek Jackson, who was a youth pastor here, he and I, um, together, were going to go take some kids on a mission trip. And we were supposed to go to Los Angeles to do an inner city mission. Well, it just so happened that, that before we went on this trip, the, the L.A. riots occurred. You know, the Rodney King thing and all of that. And, and the elders here thought it probably not prudent for us to take a bunch of high school kids into the middle of that situation in inner city Los Angeles. So we didn't. Um, we found another place to go. We ended up going to the other side of the country. We went to Kentucky, to the haulers of Kentucky. And we took kids there and we, we cleaned up um, a, a, a church camp before they started their season. We did a vacation Bible school and it was a cultural experience, let me tell you. Um, totally different part of the country or woods you know if you will uh, but on the way home uh, we uh, we stopped in Cincinnati and and the next day we were supposed to go to Kings Island really cool amusement park right for a day off uh, kind of a reward for the kids for their hard work for the weekend and we had some free time and uh, and so I decide that I'm going to take whatever kids want to go with us that don't want to hang out at the hotel, and we're going to go find something fun to do. And that something fun that we decided was going to be to go to a baseball game. There, because there was obviously a baseball game happening because we saw the Goodyear blimp. Okay? Now, this is, this is where the just-so-happens starts. Um, so here we are. No GPS, right? No cell phones. Um, how do we get to Three Rivers Stadium in, no, is it Three Rivers? Riverfront. We had this conversation at first service. Riverfront, thank you. Riverfront to watch Cincinnati play whoever it is they're playing. Well, I decide we're going to jump in the band and we're going to follow the blimp. So that's exactly what we do. We're driving around the streets of Cincinnati, freeways and side roads, until we get to the baseball stadium. We get there and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? It's, it's already started by, actually, by the time we walk in, it's, it's the seventh inning. Um, but I'd never been to a Major League Baseball game before, especially not one in Cincinnati. We're pulling into the stadium, and, and I'm thinking, of course, where are we going to park? This guy starts waving. He's like, hey, come over here, come over here. He looked official, right? He had the, the, the parking attendant gear on. He says, you guys looking for a place to park? Gee, it just so happens that we are, right? Yeah, we are. He's like, I got a spot right over here. He lifts the gate. I'm assuming he works for the stadium, right? He lifts the gate. We pull in. He puts it down. He leads us over to this parking stop that's no more than 100 yards away from the front gate of the stadium. He doesn't charge us anything. We go up. We get our tickets for like seven bucks, and then we go in. We enjoy the last three innings of the game. It was, it was awesome. And as I look back on that, I think, you know what? Really, does God care if we went to a... Maybe yes. I mean, I, if, if I'm truly and wholly and completely not going to believe in coincidence, then God was supernaturally putting us at the right place at the right time and putting that guy at the right place at the right time to open the gate to give us the, the, the spot that probably cost people $100 a night. And then we get to experience this baseball game together. Now, it just so happens that on the way home, um, 
remember, we don't have any GPS. <laughs> All we have is the address of the motel and, and a map. Who even uses a map anymore? Right? I mean, you don't even type it in anymore. You say, um, help me find such and such, right? It, before long, the Apple car be out. You just plug your phone in and say, take me to there. You just kick back and go for the ride. Um, we had to lock our windows and lock our doors on the way home because we kind of ended up in a neighborhood where it wasn't, didn't look that safe. I mean, we were fine, but um, even in those little things, I, do you not believe that God gives good gifts? Yes. Yes, He does. And, and, and even those little just so happens, it's, it's the mighty act of God working in your life and in mine. Even in those little conversations where you, you run into somebody at the park and you have a, a, what seems to you as a neutral, meaningless conversation, God could use what you say in that to powerfully impact another person. He just works that way. Now, look at Ruth chapter 4. Flip a couple chapters to Ruth chapter 4. I am going to finish the story with you here this morning. And I want to read it. Another story that you can look at that is just crazy full of it just so happens is the book of Esther. I mean, you look at the life of, and, and how that all happens. You know, on a whim, the king says, I'm going to have my wife come in and do a dance. And she says, no. And, and then he decides, well, that's it for you. You're not my queen anymore. And then on a whim, he says, you know what? I'm going to have a beauty pageant. They didn't elect queens that way. But he decided to do it. And it just so happened that Esther was incredibly beautiful. And it just so happens that she won. And it just so happens... I mean, you read that book. It's the mighty hand of God working. They're not coincidences. It's not luck. It's the mighty hand of God. And, and that same mighty hand is working in your life. And in my life. And we need to recognize that. Meanwhile... Uh, Ruth chapter 4 verse 1 Meanwhile Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there when the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along Boaz said come over here my friend and sit down so he went over and sat down Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said sit here and they did so this was all custom then he said to the kinsman redeemer the one who was the closest relative of Naomi Naomi who has come back from Moab is selling the piece of land that belonged to her brother Elimelech I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you. And I, Boaz says, am next in line. I will redeem it, the guy says. I will do it. I will buy the land. Okay? I'm going to be that guy. And then Boaz says... Oh, by the way, right? On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this news, the kinsman redeemer says, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. He was unwilling to pay the price that it was going to take to redeem Naomi and Ruth. Boaz says, I am willing. Now, verse 7, in earlier times in Israel, 
Um, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from amongst his family or from the town records. Today you are my witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And if those names don't ring a bell, you should know that in Matthew chapter 1, they are found in the line of Jesus. You see, God takes little things and He uses them in mighty ways. And... And this is not an anomaly. This is not like, oh, it was only Esther and it was Ruth. It's an everyday thing with every person you ever read about in Scripture and who has ever lived as a Christ follower since then. God takes the little things in your life and in mine and He uses them in mighty ways. God took tragedy. He took the death of family members and He used it to move Naomi and Ruth back to Bethlehem. He took a seemingly coincidence, the gleaning of grain in a random field. And he used it in a mighty way to redeem Naomi and Ruth. And I contend that that happens every day. He uses conversations that you have with people. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower yet, but you're here because of it just so happens. And you have the opportunity to hear and understand and know and believe that Jesus Christ loves you deeply and wants to be your kinsman, Redeemer. He paid the price already. All it is up to you is to surrender your life and believe. And the Bible says that you will be saved. Let's give Him the praise, give Him the glory, give Him the honor that He deserves for the little coincidences tongue-in-cheek completely that happen in your life and in mine. Now, as we close, turn to Matthew chapter 13. It's page 969 in those Bibles underneath the seats. Matthew chapter 13, and I want to leave us with this thought. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 31. He then told them another parable. This is Jesus talking. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. The kingdom of God started with the sacrifice of one man, passed to twelve. And where is it today? It's bigger than anybody could ever imagine it would be. And... I. I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, I haven't studied mustard plants, but I don't see a mustard plant becoming like a tree. Maybe there are places where it does, but I think Jesus, what he is saying is, look, I, God, 
can take something and make it even greater and bigger than you ever thought it could be or have witnessed it to be. And then he goes on and he tells them another parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And at this point, up until this point, yeast was always viewed as a bad thing. It, it, it always represented evil. You know, they were supposed to refrain. That's why they used unleavened bread for the Passover feast. Because it was a symbol. And Jesus turns this symbol on its head and says, just as you have thought about yeast being evil and working through everything, I want you to see that the works of God and His kingdom are like that yeast. And when it's worked throughout all of your life, it changes everything. Because I'm, I haven't studied this, but I'm pretty sure that there's a chemical reaction that happens when you put yeast into dough. And that yeast is worked through all of that dough, and it changes it. And that's what happens in your life and in mine. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, and we give up all things, and we look at our life every day, and we go, wow, look what God did there. Oh, that just so, oh, no, that wasn't a coincidence. Isn't God great? Let's give him the worship and the praise that he deserves as we live our lives this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you for finishing the story. Lord, thank you. There are, there are so many, it just so happens, represented in this room today. God, just in the simple things with music on a Sunday morning. You just look back and go, oh God, what a... You did it. Lord, things with Project One and, and you know, colors of, of donated deck stuff and the color of the house that matched and... Lord, conversations, and, and, and you're just working it all out. And Lord, I pray that as each one of us live what we would say is a normal, average, everyday life, and some things that we would say, well, wow, that was, an, that was an incredible coincidence, or we were lucky that that happened. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that you care about every detail of our life, and that you take even those little small things represented by the mustard seed, and you make them great. Help us, Lord, to trust you this week. Help, help us, Lord, to trust you the rest of our life in those ways and give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward and you know the